You may find this hard to believe, but 60 songs that explain the 90s, America's favorite poorly named music podcast is back with 30 more songs than 120 songs total. I am your host, Rob Harvilla, here to bring you more shrewd musical analysis, poignant nostalgic reveries, crude personal anecdotes, and rad special guests, all with even less restraint than usual. Join us once more on 60 Saws That Explain the 90s every Wednesday on Spotify. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere. Like when your fantasy league meets up at your house. Everything's great until the hot plate gets too hot for the tablecloth. Now your kitchen's up in smoke. And if you don't have the right home insurance coverage, the cost to fix this is anything but a fantasy. So switch to Allstate, save money, and get protected from mayhem like this. Not available in every state. Based on coverage selected, subject to terms, conditions, and availability. Savings vary. This episode is brought to you by Hyundai. Think about all the stuff you can do now on Sundays after the Super Bowl's over. Adventurous activities. You need a Hyundai to get you there. The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped for any adventure with features like available H-Track, all-wheel drive. You can take on the dirt trails and kick up some mud or available dual wireless charging pads so no one gets stuck in the great outdoors. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Show. My name is Danny Heifetz and I am joined by Danny Kelly and Craig Horlbeck. And again, we're back. Again, fantasy we're show. Back. If you don't know now, now you know. Fantasyfootball.3.com. We got our top 200 up. We're coming to you every week, once a week, the whole summer. And then we're going to ramp up when the season actually comes. But we just released our top 200 rankings. Again, fantasyfootball.3.com. Last week, we went over our biggest takeaways. Those were kind of things where we're like, this is like how we feel about stuff. Today, it's like the things we had no idea what to do with. These Today, it's like the questions that we were asking each other while we were ranking stuff. And I was like, yo, DK, what is the deal with, <laughs> like, is Kyler Murray going to play or like what? Do you know what's up with that? Right. Correct. I don't know. You Jansu. don't know? No, I don't know. Okay. Not sure. Short uh, So we're going to explore. <laughs> sure. We're going to explore the space uh, of that engine uncertainty i think and and talk about it and try and figure out what what the hell to do with some of these players so yeah we're just going to go over the stuff we actually have been discussing this for uh, a few months actually because we decided actually a few months ago as we were doing our rankings that we want all the questions you had just kind of write them down and then this is basically the distillation of all that so dk please lead us off here uh what the hell is your first what's going on question going into the season there is a lot of quarterback uncertainty mm-hmm. both injury and non uh, starting off with our favorite player in the world, many people's favorite player, especially San Francisco fans, Brock Purdy. Is Brock Purdy going to be the starter for the San Francisco 49ers? I saw someone talk about this today. The 49ers, I think, are like second team in the NFC in terms of Super Bowl odds, and we literally don't know who the quarterback is going to be. That's just bizarre. What's going on with that? Uh, who's going to be their quarterback? I, if it's, I sent this to DK because he's a big... Oh, I guess you, you. we all love Seinfeld. You saw that clip, right, of John Lynch scratching his head when they asked about <laughs> Trey Lance. And then, it, and then it cuts to the Seinfeld bit. We've of, talked about this on the show, Craig. Have we? Of Jerry yeah. and George. And Jerry's like, oh, yeah, the higher you touch your face when you're lying shows you, like, how how badly you are lying. <laughs> and and it's, they're like, so how's Trey Lance doing, John Lynch? And John goes, he scratches ah! his head. He's like, oh, he's doing pretty good. And I was like, oh, man. <laughs> 
It's I, I got no faith in Lance. I think we're at the point where if Brock Purdy was not healthy enough to play in week one, Sam Darnold would just be the backup quarterback. Like, I think Trey Lance is their third string quarterback. They don't trust him at all. The only reason they didn't trade him, I think, is because they're so emotionally scarred from running out of quarterbacks in right. what they should they should have won the Super Bowl that they're like the idea of getting rid of Trey Lance kind of gives them the heebie-jeebies but yeah I think these guys are hurt Purdy basically he hurt his ulnar collateral ligament but he didn't need Tommy John so he didn't get Tommy John he got like a much more low-key procedure so it's, we're recording this May 8th we'll kind of know we'll have a better idea on Brock Purdy's health like the first week of June because that's when OTAs begin and he should be able to throw and resume throwing in the first week of June if Brock Purdy is not throwing we're I mean, this is just chaos because Sam uh, Darnold time, baby. DK's been on this. DK thinks Sam Darnold's <laughs> going to like start more games than Lance or Purdy for the Niners. This year. I think Darnold will be actually fantastic in the night. I'm so ready to get clipped and like everyone to make fun of me. But I actually think Darnold can be great for the 49ers. Actually, Yeah, I was going to say, Heifetz has actually been more on top of this because Heifetz, I think, brought this up on a show a couple of months ago. And I was like, can we not do this in the interim? Since I said that, I'm uh, I'm fully doing this like <laughs> Sam Darnold. Is in. I'm in on Darnold. He was at the the Warriors game with McCaffrey and Kittle. Like, yeah, he's going to the oh, party. They're see? going to his birthday party, you guys. <laughs> They're already hanging out. Is Sam Darnold a good hang? <laughs> yeah. Him and so. Allen are good friends. You ever see that photo of Josh Allen giving Sam Darnold a wet willy? No. I have not. It's like really weird. They're division rival quarterbacks, and they hung out the whole draft process, so they were friends. And then it's like the Jets quarterbacks getting wet willied. Were they division rivals? At the time when they were drafted, yeah. The Bills had made the playoffs once. They were both like, trying to not be the runt of the litter in the AFC oh, East. Okay. When they got drafted, that's fair. No longer. But yeah. Sam Darnold, as saying. Austin Gale so nicely put in the notes, he ranked second in EPA per dropback in weeks 12 through 18, which was second only to Jared Goff. What a list. Jared Goff and Sam Darnold. Uh Obviously, he wasn't doing much in terms of volume, but in the offense that they were running in Carolina with like run-heavy foundation and basically not asking him to do too much, not asking him to carry the team, he was pretty good. And that's like the definition of what Shanahan does for the 49ers is just like, hey, get the ball to your playmakers. They're going to do everything you need. This is the most ridiculous collection of skill players I've ever seen in San Francisco. I'm kind of actually getting back in on Sam Darnold. But to be clear, if Brock Purdy is healthy, he will be the starter. John Lynch has like right. literally said this. Like Brock Purdy will be the starter. Uh, Man, he's, you know, just... he's basically never lost again. He's the cult leader. <laughs> I saw the menu in HBO this week. Great movie. Uh, I I, I kind of think that that is he's basically just the chef version of Brock Purdy. Can, I, can you believe that we're here? This is the last player drafted in the NFL last year. He's he what's Mr. Irrelevant and Trey Lance, who was the third overall pick in the draft, who they traded up to get played what two and a half games hurt his foot and is now just gone. And he has been beaten by Mr. Irrelevant and Sam Darnold. It kind of tracks with, uh, I want to say last year at the Super Bowl, And then again, this last year, sorry, sorry, the year before. And then this last year also Joe Montana said this on slow news day. What he had been hearing is that like Trey Lance is not ready. Like the team does not believe he's ready. And that's why they needed to stick with Jimmy G. And then I want to say he said some something similar to this uh last year at the Super Bowl too, that basically that Trey Lance just is not ready to go. And he's when, never going to start a game for the Niners yeah. again. Tom Brady threw more passes. This is a, this stat from Mike Renner at PFF blew my mind. He's not at PFF anymore, but just Mike Renner has a stat. Tom Brady threw more passes last season than Brock Purdy threw in high school, college, and the NFL combined. You mean Lance? Trey Lance. Oh, yeah. Sorry. Yeah, sorry. Trey Lance. Brock Purdy, on the other hand, has thrown thousands because he's very old and he played in college for a very long time. He also might be Jesus Christ. So, <laughs> you know, he's been throwing for a long time. 
while we're talking about quarterbacks and injuries in the NFC West, Kyler Murray for the Cardinals. This is all just weird. So Kyler Murray towards ACL. He had surgery like January 3rd. Cliff Kingsbury, like this was so long ago that Cliff Kingsbury is still the head coach of the Cardinals. He said in January before he got fired that Kyler would probably not be ready for week one, which honestly you just don't hear very often from right. coaches because honesty. they just don't. Yeah, it's, it's probably why he got fired or just he knew he was getting fired and didn't give a shit. So it's kind of weird to get that much. There is also rumblings that Kyler wouldn't play at all this season. That's also probably not true. But the fact that that was even mentioned, I think that, and it's also been floated that Kyler might miss all of September and between how the Cardinals basically loading up on draft picks for next year, they have, they're, they're expected to be the worst team in football. The Texans, they have the Texans pick might be also the second or third worst team. There's two elite quarterbacks in next year's draft. The Cardinals have the ammo and all the incentive in the world to suck this year. It's like, there's no reason for them to push Kyler to come back. I, I don't know what's going to happen this year. But between that and Kyler, so much of his fantasy value coming back, um, you know, involving like rushing and stuff. I don't even DK. Look, where the hell would you even take Kyler Murray in a draft where it's like, yeah, he might come back in September, right. October. Also come back to the worst team in the NFL. Like, what do you even do with him? Do you even take him? I mean, you could he to me, he's like a late round dart throw. I am not optimistic that he's going to play a lot this year. You know what I mean? And so I don't think you waste an early pick on him. I had ranked 178 right now and we, we have we have him in our rankings at 169 which yeah exactly i basically think of kyler uh anthony richardson jordan love as guys that you're like okay we'll see like when they start playing or i guess jordan Love's gonna be week one but like they're kind of like backups and you just kind of keep them on your bench you're like we'll see if you like blossom into some weird flower but i don't know man kyler it, i also wonder if he just outright gets replaced and like isn't even their quarterback in 2025 i mean the cardinals are in prime position to tank, right? Like yeah. there's a strong, I, I could absolutely see DeAndre Hopkins not being on this team when week one comes around and Kyler Murray's Kyler Murray sitting the majority of the year and then them trading him as well at the end of the year and just starting fresh, getting Caleb Williams or Drake May or something like that. Because even if he comes back, I mean, this, this is not a Super Bowl team with Kyler Murray. It's not even close. Do you guys, can you name off the top of your head the offensive coordinator of the Cardinals? Oh, it's it's. I looked it up because it's funny. It's um, it's it's Drew. It's Drew Pelsing, who Pet, I know nothing Petsing. about. Petsing. I don't during, know anything. I think about during him. the chaos of the off season slash whenever they hired him, I missed this part because I literally have never heard this name before. <laughs> what? Who is this fucking guy? He's a thirty six year old former. He's a former coach for the Browns and the Vikings. He's, I, I don't know anything about this person. It's like that Dwayne Wade clip when that woman <laughs> called him Wade Jones. And he's like, who that is? Who that <laughs> is? Know. It's true, though, for Drew Petsing. What I, can we expect think, from this fucking guy? But what's also weird about the Cardinals is their defensive coordinator is also um, Nick, Nick Rallis, who's the linebackers coach for the Eagles. He's 29. What's and happening? Pe- like, with this, this is team? the youngest staff. <laughs> like, when Sean McVay got hired for the Rams, he was the youngest coach ever. The first thing he did was hire Wade Phillips, who was like the oldest coach in the NFL to balance it all out. The Cardinals have nobody over like 46 on this staff. Yeah, they're punting this season, I feel like. Um, they needed coaches who understand Call of Duty and video games to relate to Kyler. <laughs> I get it. There's honestly something Savvy. there, Craig. That might be it. Do you think that Jonathan Gannon's <laughs> asking guys what their K to D is in interviews? And if they don't know, they're not allowed like to the second round. Don't you think that like, if you look at the quarterback position in fantasy right now, if you're in a single quarterback league, it's pretty standard top 12. Like you're going to get, you know, there's the classic <laughs> late round guys like your Daniel Jones or your Dak Prescott or a Tua maybe. Um, and then, but if you're in a two quarterback league, I think 
it feels even more uncertain than usual because it used to be the second quarterback you would get on your team was like a Derek Carr on the Raiders. Right. And you were like, I know what he is. He's going to throw for 4,000 yards, like 25 touchdowns. But now it's like the the, the, the QB2 guys are like, Anthony Richardson is completely unknown. You have Rodgers on the Jets, Russell Wilson, like, who knows what's going on with that? You have Jordan Love, <laughs> who's never been a starter. You have Kenny Pickett, Matt Stafford. You got Hurt, Kyler Murray, and then you got a bunch of rookies. Like it is a really, really tough uh, second tier quarterback group for for two Q- QB leagues. It's yeah. going to be really hard, I think, this year. So uh, you mentioned Stafford too. I think Stafford, like, I, I don't know if he's under the radar, but in a way, the Rams didn't get discussed the entire offseason because they were so bad at the end. They were ugly to watch. They have no draft picks. There's nothing to say about them. But like, in a way, Stafford. I, he had a season-ending injury. He had a season-ending neck injury, spinal cord contusion. Yeah. He had he had to announce that he wasn't retiring, which that's strike one. Strike two, had numbness in both <laughs> feet, which is how could. they knew that he had spinal cord contusion. Strike three, that's not even why he was so bad. He had an elbow injury oh, that God. he couldn't practice in August. That's why Allen Robinson sucked because he couldn't get any time at Stafford. It's like the Rams were basically like a bottom four offense in the league. And then Stafford had a spinal cord contusion. And it's like the only reason the Rams haven't even blown up this team is because if they do, Sean McVay will leave. So it's like, but I, 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 Stafford's not a guy kind of in fantasy, but I'm like, Stafford actually I'm realizing is the same risk to drafting Cooper Cup that I think Tua is to drafting Tyree Kill. It's like, I don't mm-hmm. have any issue really with Cooper Cup, even though he's coming off this injury. It, it, Cooper Cup and Tyree Kill, my biggest question is how long can Tua and or Matt Stafford even stay on the field? These guys are falling apart. It's scary because he Stafford has been for a long time sort of my Craig, what you were just what you were describing exactly, like the quintessential QB two, where you don't really have to worry too much about the floor falling out until last year when it completely did. And he was like literally one of the worst quarterbacks, except for Tom Brady, early on in the season where he was just absolutely brutal, like six or seven points per game or whatever it was. Um he was that it's like guy an for Amstel. me. If it's there, then you're good. It's like you don't seek. It's not your first right. choice, but you're like, oh, okay, cool. Yeah, I'll get an Amstel. And you so now he's floor. he's not high on floor. that list. Yeah, and he's not on that list anymore. And so it's it's concerning. And yeah, it it definitely affects the entire offense here. So if he gets hurt, or if the elbow injury comes back, or the spinal cord doesn't really, or it remains an issue, I should say, going into this next year, man. <laughs> We it should. Really all right, you know what? That's can we make that a memento tattoo? If you have to say the word spinal cord, you're out. Don't I'm not don't that's I'm not if you have to you. if you have to argue with the with the media that you're not retiring look guys <laughs> seriously I'm not retiring okay I'm not retiring stop saying I'm retired don't write in the newspaper I'm retiring <laughs> like at, you know, that was like Adam Thielen I was watching the the combine I forget what what if, I think it was the combine like Tuesday or something and Adam Thielen was a special guest commentator and I'm like well I'm done. There's no chance in the he's so done. I'm out. Adam Thielen is like, man, I'm, I'm almost done. I got to get my other foot in media here. I'm like, okay, cooked. Who would you rather draft right now? Matt Stafford or Tom Brady? Oh, <laughs> Matt Stafford. Okay. Stafford. Just I do kind of wonder if Brady, come, if Brady came back, I still think the Bucks would like be favored to win. The I kind of think he's coming back. That's my I think he's going to come back. I'm, I'm well, especially back now, in. he already said he like might back out of his Fox deal. I know. That's what I'm saying. And he was he's like, no, bored. no. <laughs> What's he got going on, man? The close thing agree, isn't working though. out. I do agree, though, Heifetz. If you're debating drafting a player in fantasy and, and the word spinal cord is involved, I think you should move. You should probably pass. All right. Well, here's a guy who sends shivers up my spine. Kadarius Tony, okay. Chiefs receiver. There's a report for me. It's been that Kadarius Tony is, quote, first in line to be the Chiefs number one receiver. Um, 
Let's go. Hell yes. In the words of Peter Schrager, let's go. It's the bane of my existence. Uh, Also, I think that's a Tom Brady thing. But uh, (laughs) we have Canaris Tony ranked 99th. At, again, fantasyfootball.thereamer.com. <laughs> yeah, those are rookie numbers. We got we to gotta bump that way up. Uh, it actually gets better. Brett Veach, the GM for the Chiefs, said, Kadarius Tony's predominantly been a guy at slot receiver, returner, runner, gadget guy, if you will. But I don't know if there's a limit on his game. And then no I spontaneously limit. combusted. I didn't finish the rest of the story. So this is tough. There's a little bit of cognitive dissonance with me and Tony here because fantasy <laughs> football, at least as I age, you know, as I get a little bit more mature in my fantasy football management, it's all about risk assessment, right? It's about managing risk. <laughs> I want the least amount of variables possible on my team. That's why I made a mistake last year. I, I was really in on Michael Thomas. I look back on that and I know I was dumb. I know that was Mistake stupid. of youth. Yeah. Yes. The risk was not worth the reward. I could just go grab any other wide receiver and he probably could have replicated a Michael Thomas year without any of the downside, you know? So high floor, high ceiling is the ultimate goal, right? You want somebody who, if none of it works out, they still have a high floor. Like at Amon Ross St. Brown to me is like, if he's healthy and he's been relatively healthy, not a lot can go wrong with Amonra. You know his situation. It's golf. You know, he has Tons like a of lot targets. of- uh, Yeah. Yeah. He, he has very safe floor, but could also have a really high ceiling. We've seen that as well. Kadarius Tony is, is really not that. And I'm, <laughs> you know, I, I don't know what to do about it. Maybe we should each give ourselves one player only every year that you can make an irrational pick on. But I'm not sure what to do because this might just be Michael Thomas again. But he's, I fucking love him. So I don't know. <laughs> it's also, we're pot committed to this bit, Craig. We cannot, we can't leave now. DK. It's a lifestyle. Right. It's, Sorry. I, that's correct. Yeah, you're right. There's Tony, again, the whole week of the Super Bowl when we were in Phoenix, our running joke was I, Craig was like, Kadarius Tony is going to score two touchdowns. It was like, it was I like said, 18 to one, 22 to yeah. one. I said, Kadarius Tony isn't going to play more than five snaps. And we and were like, you know what? We'll both handshake. be right. And then he was five <laughs> yards from doing both. Ah. Scoring. Well, I wonder what I, those I, odds would have been. Two touchdowns in less than five snaps. Oh my God. A thousand man. to one. Oh if we gosh. had just, if we had actually asked FanDuel for like odds on that, then we would have made um, an incalculable amount. I wonder of if we, I want, I'd love to reach out to FanDuel and just get like really, really specific Kadarius Tony lines every week. And we, <laughs> we just have like the Kadarius Tony line of the week. I like really that. Good. Three touchdowns, 40 yards of punt returns, two injury timeouts. Can we do this? Can we? I, I want to play the game that we played with Ben about the quarterbacks where we flip the coin and, and we make you argue aside. I want to play it with the two of you right now with Kadarius Tony, okay? okay? So I'm going to flip a coin. And if it's one way, you have to argue for him or against him. Okay? Who are we going for here? Heads, DK is for Tony. Tails, DK is against Tony. Okay. Okay. It's heads. DK is for Kadarius Tony. DK, go. Okay, so I'm making I'm making the argument for Tony. This is so easy. What are you talking yeah, about? Yeah, I want you to tell me why he should be a top 15 pick in drafts, top 20 wide receiver pick in drafts. Okay, first off, we have you seen him move? He moves differently than literally anyone in the NFL. He's so explosive, so twitchy. He's a first round pick. I mean, there's there are, there's the obvious talent there. Obviously, he landed in a bad situation in, in New York. Did not get along with the coaching staff there. Uh, blah, 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 moves to Kansas City. Took him a minute to pick up the offense, but they're mixing him in. Now he'll have had a whole offseason to get the offense mastered. He is... No juju. No juju. He's the He is the projected number one receiver on this team. They're already talking about it this week. 
there's no one in his way. Sky Moore was a big disappointment as a rookie. Uh, Marcus Valdez-Scantling is a role player on the outside. Rasheed Rice, I think, is going to take some development. We're probably going to see him do the rookie thing where he doesn't do a whole lot. As a, the, the Chiefs tend to do this with their rookies. They, they don't do a whole lot in the first season. Then after that, they work their way right. in. So that's you can almost put Kado- uh, Kadaris Tony in that bucket. But to me, he's by far, by far, the most talented, explosive, electric playmaker in this offense other than Travis Kelsey. Like, if uh, it worked out, let's say Tony plays 17 games, DK. Yeah. Like, what do you think his numbers could be? Like, do you think he could be a top 10 receiver in fantasy? I mean, 3,000 yards, 37 touchdowns. <laughs> Dude, there's nobody else on this team. What it's, numbers come to mind when you picture I will say this. Tony. I will say this. Brett Veach, the GM itself, was asked, why, you know, are you worried about giving Tony the role because he doesn't really have any vertical receiving history, like, at all? And Brett Feach was like, well, has he ever played with a, an offense that pushed it vertically? He's like, they did not at Florida, and the Giants, when they hadn't, didn't. With, like, the wink-wink being like, you know who pushes it? Fucking Patrick Mahomes. Yeah. And I think that's where I was like, oh, shit, he's going to be a Hall of Famer, isn't he? But <laughs> then I keep reminding myself, he literally can't play football. Like, he's can't, he has never, just like he's never pushed it downfield, he's never at any point since he was, like, 15 years old been able to, like, stay and play football a lot. So... But- but you is know, that all you have? If you're arguing the flip side of that coin, if you're doing the negative side, is injuries really the only thing you can rely on now? Because there's really not a lot of competition unless Sky Moore becomes a thing. Well, I mean, can you get, is there fantasy points for like not showing up? Like not going on the field? Is there, a, like, I'm just saying, like he doesn't, he played five steps in the Super Bowl. Five. <laughs> Did he really only play five receiver? steps? <laughs> five snaps? He's going to be the number one receiver? Well, we're, the, we're assuming he's going to play more snaps is the thing. Uh, maybe that's a bad assumption. I think I this just is the problem. I don't know is, who's going to play wide receiver for this team if Kadarius Tony isn't the number one guy. If it's, I, to be more pointed, is there, anything other, is there anything other than the fact he's been injured a lot holding you back on Tony? No. Okay. But it, it is a big it. thing. It is a big, important thing. But so this is just Michael Thomas again, right? He's just younger, <laughs> sexier Michael Thomas. Yeah, except Michael Thomas had actually played football and set <laughs> records and played at Ohio State and then was like, oh, anyway. Got it. So it's more irrational than Michael Thomas. <laughs> yeah. Okay, let's get moving here. Uh, I also think that we're talking about Tony. There's a lot of, I think, running backs this year that would traditionally be in like really sexy breakout situations that would be like insanely popular guys. But they're all hurt. And so, like, I look at him, and I just have an air of hesitancy. Tony Pollard is like this auto smash. It's like Zeke Elliott is finally gone. They cut him. And then Tony Pollard, it's like this prince that was promised where it's like every game that Zeke Elliott misses, Tony Pollard is like a top three running back. It's unbelievable how consistently Tony Pollard is electric. And yet, the last time we saw Tony Pollard, he was he had an air cast and was getting carted off in the playoffs in January. Like, January air cast to like, yeah, he'll be fine. For like, oh, and I'm like, what? he had a he had a broken ankle, and he had a, a high ankle sprain. He didn't need a procedure on the ankle to get it fixed for the for the like the fibula, but the high ankle sprain he needed a tightrope procedure. But I'm it's still weird where I'm like, okay, the depth chart tells me the Cowboys think that he's okay. It's like they have Ronald Jones and like Malik Davis and Deuce Vaughn, who's like yay high. But <laughs> isn't it kind of weird? To Scouting think? report. He's about yay high. He's like yay high. Yes. <laughs> But you know what I mean? Like Shit. the 15th pick, you're on the clock and you're like, oh man, all these guys here. You're like, I'm going to take a guy who was in an air cast in January. Wouldn't you feel kind of dumb if he, I, I don't have any like cutting analysis here. It's just kind of weird. 
I don't yeah. know. I, I think the era of being worried about a player who was injured last year is kind of over. I, unless there's like glaring issues that are, you know, he's not like playing at all until week one or something like that, or there's really negative reports coming out about him. If the dude is at training camp and playing and ready by week one, I, I honestly don't care if you tore your ACL or you had an air cast. Pollard, I feel like we're overthinking it. Well, no, to be clear, I mean, we have him ranked really high. I have him ranked really high. I mean, we have him 18th overall. Like we have him as a top 10 running back. The I just kind of feel a little odd about it. The, right. the other two guys, Brees Hall for the Jets, who Aaron Rodgers, like the whole Jets offense should be wheels up. He tore his ACL. Again, they actually do have real running back depth. Like, same thing where it's like if Brees Hall looks really good. But again, guys off ACLs, we've kind of just been for a long time. Like, let's just get them two seasons after, not the first season after they tear the ACL. And I think that's especially true. We also have Javante Williams, who the Denver running back, he tore his ACL, but he also tore his LCL and a posterior lateral corner. I don't know what that is, but it doesn't sound I, I good. don't either. There's some indication that Williams just won't even play at all this year. It's a, it, that was a, a multi-ligament. Javante Williams injury was like devastating. I actually think Samaji Piran could get a ton of work for the Broncos. So anyway, I didn't know what to do with a bunch of those guys because Brees Hall, as exciting as he is, it's still like he's still coming off an ACL around a bunch of running backs where you don't have to take him. And then Javante, it's like, it feels like a discount, but you know, in the 60, we have him ranked 84th, which I actually think is accurate because I'm a little concerned that he doesn't play for a couple months. I mean, he could have the JK Dobbins track here where tries to come back, has these little uh, compensatory aggravations. Sorry, that was a lot, a mouthful. Like basically the muscles around it aren't fully like healed and they're, compensating for his weakness in his knee. And that's exactly what happened with uh, J.K. Dobbins last year. And he just was never really healthy. He never kind of got back to fully operational. And I'm a, I'm a little worried we're going to see the same deal with Javante Williams. So beware if he's like talking in the press like J.K. Dobbins did last year about how healthy and ready he's going to be to go because a lot of indications and a lot of reports so far that this is like a massive, massive injury. And it's going to take longer to come back from than you know, just quote unquote, normal ACL tear. And to Craig's point, if these guys are playing, then like, it's one thing, but you know, I want to see them like play football. There's also just a bunch of backfield nightmares. We're going to get into this all throughout the season, but there's just a bunch of running back backfields where you're like, what the hell to do with this? Honestly, no more so than the Eagles. Yeah. DeAndre Swift and, and Rashad Penny. You can tell when uh, uh, people who make rankings don't know what to do with players <laughs> when they just put guys on the same team right next to each other. Yeah. We have DeAndre Swift at, as our 28th best running back and Penny as our 30th. But it's such a weird situation because, I mean, the Eagles, what, have the first or second best offensive line in the league in a fantastic rushing game. And yeah. DeAndre Swift and Rashad Penny, when healthy, are both elite talents. So even if they're splitting time, I feel like both these guys could be top 20 running backs, but because of all the uncertainty around their injuries, we just don't really know what to do. Also, Kenneth Gainwell is still there too, which muddies the water even more. It makes Boston it Scott, impossible. baby. <laughs> Boston Scott, who only scores touchdowns against the Giants. Also, yay high. If, if Penny and Swift play 17 games each, who are you drafting? Penny. Me too. I think if Penny plays 17 games, he will have 1,400 rushing yards. Yeah. That, but that's always been baked into Penny's price is that we don't think he will play 17 games, obviously, because of the injuries that go back to his rookie year. Um, Swift, by the way, has a similar problem, constantly banged up, constantly fighting off things and, and doesn't play through injury as much as some other running backs, which is, I think, why the Lions ultimately are just like, all right, well, we here's get rid of this guy. My concern with Swift is he also had a really good offensive line in Detroit and he was hurt, but also like there were issues of him just not running north-south. And that was actually like Miles Sanders' problem with the Eagles too is 
Miles Sanders had a, like a fine season last year, but kind of feels like Miles Sanders left like a few hundred yards probably on the table just over the course of the season, just not running, trying to hit home runs instead of just getting on base. And that's where Penny's probably like the guy that the Eagles like. But spiritually, the Eagles will just never give a single guy like a ton of touches. They're, they want to get a yeah. bunch of guys. But it's, there's a bunch of teams that are just like the Seahawks having Ken Walker and Zach Charbonnet, which we've talked about. The Dolphins having, you know, Raheem Mostert and Devin, uh, you know, Devon H. Shane and Jeff Wilson. And we'll see what, you know, the Vikings. I don't know if Dalvin Cook's going to stay in Minnesota. Uh, there's just a lot of teams where we're like, oh, we're going to have to spend our summer figuring out, all right, is Damian Harris getting the goal line touches for the Bills or what? I so assume so. Fun. <laughs> uh, anyway, that's like a very not fun thing that you'll deal with in the fall of like Damian Harris. But more interesting is also just all the new teams that have new offensive coordinators or quarterbacks are running new offenses. Um, Deke, I don't know if you want to take us on a little tour. Yeah. Well, let's start out with the Jets because this was the big storyline during the offseason, obviously, with Aaron Rodgers. Heifetz, by the way, you called that. Great job. Called it in like November or something. I Way did. before anybody else, at least that I heard of. So, but going into the year, I mean, obviously, you assume that it's going to be a familiar offense, like scheme-wise. Hackett is there. Like, he's he's coached with Rodgers before, so it should be a smooth transition. But at the end of the day... It's a new offensive line. It's new receivers in some cases. Obviously, he did bring Lazard and, and Cobb. But to me, this is just, there's a mystery box element here of what's this offense going to look like? How much control is Aaron Rodgers going to have at the line of scrimmage? All the questions we've been asking about him for the last few years. How run heavy is it going to be? How, like, are they going to try and go, like, slow the game down? Or are they going to try and speed up? There's just are you worried so about many the line questions. Scrimmage, considering he's basically the GM? Because what do they have? They have Randall Cobb. They have Alan Lazard. They also signed um, the the guard, Billy Turner. Uh, and I'm forgetting there's another Packer that they signed. They have like five guys from Green Bay already. <laughs> and it's silly that t- the idea of that he had a wish list is silly, according to the GM. Sure, guy. I, I'm a little weary of the Jets. I think that the like I the person that I think it most comes out in is Garrett Wilson, where it's like, I think I don't think I'm gonna have much Garrett Wilson this year because the upside is so obvious. It's like Garrett Wilson, Aaron Rodgers, it'll be like Devontae Adams, but Garrett Wilson, you know, he's even like more athletic than Devontae Adams. And I'm like, first of all, Devontae Adams was so bad for his first couple of years. People literally thought he was going to get cut and like right. not an NFL player. It took like four years for him to have like that mind meld. And also like, you know, we have Garrett Wilson ranked 27th wide receiver, 11 wide receiver, 11. Anyone who knows your Jets fans, all the Jets fans are going to have Garrett Wilson. Like he's going to go in the first two rounds. And it's like, how much room is there to go up from there versus right. It's not hard to imagine the Jets and this kind of going wrong and suddenly Garrett Wilson isn't on the same page as Rodgers and he's just kind of there as like this is su- like supremely talented guy who isn't getting the ball enough. Like I, that's really where I look at this Jets offense and I'm like, I kind of think they might be a better team in real life where it's like, oh, they gel in December and make the playoffs. That's their vibe. But I don't think this is going to be some well-oiled machine to start. Nate Hackett was not calling the plays when he was in Green Bay. Now he's just calling the plays. Garrett Wilson is all-time horny police. You're so right, Heifetz. The upside is where he's ranked. Like, that's best case scenario. I mean, I, I the thing is, is he's so tantalizing, the idea, for every reason you right. just stated. Right. But if you look at all the wide receivers ahead of him, all of them have established roles and have a track record. Amon Ra, CeeDee Lamb, A.J. Brown, Stephon Diggs. Like, those are the guys right ahead of Garrett Wilson, who's had, like, one good year and now has a new quarterback. And, like, for all we know, Rodgers could hate him and only throw to <laughs> Alan Lazard and, like, suddenly fall in love with Denzel Mims. Oh so, my God. Garrett, I mean, yeah, there's, there's a lot going on there with Garrett Wilson. And I think he's going to be, he's the quintessential, like young, sexy, you project his potential into his draft value. Everyone's going to be into him, but Bonk. like, 
Exactly. And it's like, <laughs> or you could just take DK Metcalf. Right. Bonk. Bonk on Garrett Wilson. He's he's definitely first team all bonk. Go home to your uh, wife. That's that's the Garrett Wilson. Wife. What if Garrett Wilson doesn't want to hear about conspiracy theories? You know what I mean? Like, what if he doesn't want to live that life? Uh, is Rogers just going to shut him out? I I would not put it past Rogers to just like completely ignore him. Does this mean Lazard and Cobb love conspiracy theories yeah. and just yes. put up with them? They yes. have a, a podcast, the three they, of them, and they just <laughs> yeah. talk conspiracies. A hundred percent. Who they knows what Jordy Nelson was into, man? Uh. <laughs> While we're on teams that do offense, it's the other one that's just, I mean, the Patriots, um, they have an offensive coordinator. Took them like a year. It's nice. But they added, you know, I, I actually, I almost feel like we actually didn't spend enough time on the Patriots last year. I know. Probably because they were like the most, the single worst team to watch in the entire league. But there was an incredible, so Matt Patricia, defensive coordinator, and Joe Judge, special teams coach, were their offensive coordinators last year. The Boston Herald had an expose where they kind of just dissected this autopsy of a season. And the headline is literally, or one of the, the main quotes is, an anonymous Patriots coach says, I love Coach Belichick, but he fucked us. <laughs> and it's just what a, a breakdown of Patricia and Judge. And then at one point I heard Devin McCourty was on TV and he said, there was never true hope. Jeez. So <laughs> I think the Patriots are weirdly kind of a bounce back team because everyone's going to look at all the Patriots and be like, Juju, New England, no thank you. But... I don't know. It's like, I actually think that the Patriots might be a real offense this year because they just yeah. were not an offense. I think we just kind of gave the Patriots the benefit. Well, we gave Bell Belichick the benefit of the doubt a little bit because he's got that long established track record of being the best coach ever. But we also, at the same time, we're like, what the fuck are they doing? What is this plan? This is the stupidest fucking plan. Well, we were like, they're the um, they're the guys in Step Brothers, like Patricia right. and Judge going to the interview together wearing tuxedos. And it's like, well, now the tuxedos <laughs> are kind of fucked up. Yeah. I just, yeah, it's very interesting. Um, I, I actually am pretty excited about what the Patriots can do with like a real offensive coordinator, a guy who's done it, a guy who knows how to make in-game adjustments, in-game adjustments and game planning, like stuff like that is not easy, man. It's hard to be an offensive coordinator and just making your buddies or a guy that you know with no experience at that position, the offensive coordinator is obviously a stupid move. So um, for whatever reason, they they chose to do that, but... They also, I think, I'm hoping there will be some upgrades in terms of like the way they utilize their their personnel for whatever reason. Last year, for instance, Kendrick Bourne was in the doghouse, even though he was like one of their most, you know, exciting playmakers. He just they would refuse to put him in. And it's like this kind of shit that gets in the way of winning. I feel like they, for some reason, I think it's the other that. way around. I actually think Kendrick Bourne. So he has no guaranteed money left, and uh, neither does Devontae Parker. I'm sorry, Craig. So I actually think if Bill O'Brien walks in and it's just like, they could just cut Kendrick Bourne or Devontae Parker and they could just have like basically Juju, you know, they signed Kasicki. I think Tyquan Thornton could have a way bigger role yeah. in this team. So I'm not advocating for Bourne. I'm just saying it seems like the decision-making from last year's team was really weird. And this year, well, hopefully it'll be better. Can I read one more quote from this story? Is this the one by Andrew Callahan, by the way? Andrew Callahan wrote this? Yes. The Boston Herald. Yeah. The, Very good this reporter. This was legendary. And they were saying that Patricia... So basically, the point is Patricia and Judge installed an offense that they had never ran before. And so then defenders who had ran... Or sorry, offensive players who had ran the offense were like, well, what's going to happen if the defense does this? And you see that they hadn't really accounted for that yet, one source said. And then they'd say, we'll get to that when we get to that. Nice. (laughs) (laughs) So they just handled it like a grandpa. (laughs) (laughs) We'll figure that out. No worries. 
There's also the Ravens offense, I think, is fascinating for this year because Lamar Jackson, now he's yes. back and it's kind of like nothing ever happened. So now it's Bill Barnwell, shout out Billy B, made an incredible point that the end of the last time Lamar was really playing for the Ravens, their receivers were Demarcus Robinson, Devin DuVernay, and Deshaun Jackson. And entering <laughs> this year, it's going to be Rashad Bateman, Zay Flowers, and Odell Beckham, plus Mark Andrews. Yes. So it's like they're going from a medieval offense to like a World War II. They have tanks and helicopters now. Did they have helicopters in World War II? Uh, oh, I guess not. <laughs> I don't know. They may have had like very rudimentary ones. No, I don't think so. <laughs> fine. Yeah. All right. You're right. Planes. Good Just say out. planes. Planes is I also, fine. I, I don't know if this, does this Ravens offense feel like it has helicopters now to you? Are, are you that excited about Rashad Bateman coming off a brutal injury, 30-year-old Odell, and then a rookie? Well, Lamar Lamar Jackson literally said this week, he's like, I'm going to throw for 6,000 yards. You know, I'm not usually a stats guy, but I think we could do it. And I'm like, Lamar you know said what? I believe you. Oh, I don't God. think you're a stats guy if you think you can throw for 6,000 yards. I believe that you think you can. <laughs> <laughs> you put it well in the past that, like, the Ravens have this incredible, unbelievable advantage where Lamar is such a good, you know, thrower, runner, that it's basically like you have an extra player on the field. Right, right. And then the Ravens immediately gave it back because right. they had a defensive end playing fullback who couldn't catch and they put every they, the Ravens having a real offense I think is a really interesting wrinkle and I, we'll see how it goes but it's it's weird I don't really think Odell I don't none of these guys are uh intriguing I don't think <laughs> I don't no. know I'm pretty I'm pretty well maybe I'm more excited just from a football nerd point of view than a fantasy specific point of view but Todd Monken coming in Monkins had some offenses over the last few years that have been very, um, like, really well designed around the, the skilled player talent that they had. And there's no, like, quote-unquote Todd Monken offense because he's just really good at adapting to, like, what his skilled players and quarterback and, and what they want to do and how they can do it well. So I'm kind of excited about how they do this. Heifetz, you, you uh, alluded to it, but basically I had a aha moment, a, a light bulb moment, listening to a great Cosell podcast when he was talking about, and he, he always kind of stops short of criticizing coaches because he quote unquote knows how, how hard coaches work. But he was basically saying like, I don't understand why they, they basically have one fewer person who or one fewer player who's an eligible pass catcher on the field than every other offense in the NFL, because they have a 290 pound fullback guy on the field for like the vast majority of their snaps. So they're essentially taking one eligible receiver just off the board. And that's like what their offense was for years. And now, you know, you come in and Monken, um, who has had offenses that have been really pass heavy. Uh, I don't know if you remember a couple of years ago, he, he was the OC of the Browns or, or sorry, of the Buccaneers when they just went absolutely ham. Um, He's also been at Georgia the last, they won two <coughs> championships with Georgia. Yeah. So I don't know. I'm I'm very honestly I'm pretty intrigued with what they can do. Like this could be a huge sea change in the way that they run an offense. Like Lamar Jackson going back to college has always run pro style offenses. It's not like he's completely completely limited, and they need to have an offense where you have one fewer, you know, eligible pass catcher in order to run. Like I think he can do. I think he can make this jump if if they really design an offense that works for him and, and get these weapons and like deploy them correctly. What's funny is like it's not like Lamar's been bad in these old offenses. Like right. Lamar was like the best player in fantasy football for like two straight years every time he was on the field. Yeah. So I'm kind of I'm I'm excited about Lamar this year. I think he could be closer to what we saw his MVP season than than he has been in the past in in the last few years. TK, the other, any other teams that intrigue you? New look teams. Um. 
there's a couple that are like not going to be wholesale changes, but a little bit different. Like, the, what are the Cowboys going to look like with fucking Mike McCarthy calling plays versus last year with Kellen Moore? Like, Kellen Moore over the last few seasons has been one of the highest pass rate uh, offensive play callers in the NFL. You know, aggressive, spread things out. And we've got uh, Mike McCarthy coming back in here and he's like talking about just run, establish the run. Like we need to take pressure off our quarterback, uh, you know, blah, blah, blah. And like this could really hurt the bottom line for not only Dak, but for all the receivers in this group. And so I'm a little bit worried about what this with Cowboys offense is going to look like outside of Pollard. I think Pollard's going to smash, but um, like CD is probably not going to see the volume that he saw last year. It's a little worrisome. The Cowboys are hilarious. I, I don't. I also, and the flip side of that too is Kellen Moore going to the Chargers. Uh, yeah, right. The Chargers ran the most infuriating offense. Just kind of like I will dive into this a way more as the summer goes on. But like again, Justin Herbert having the slowest offense, even though he's got maybe the biggest arm in the league, just continues to be infuriating. I want to see if Kellen Moore changes anything with that. It does feel like with the Chargers, kind of that this year is kind of the year. Like it's they're a little bit on the hot seat, just like as an overall offense. Like they blew that horrible lead against the Jags in the playoffs the year before that. They didn't make it because of that game against the Raiders in week seven, week 17 or week 18, whatever that was. And it, and it kind of does feel like, all right, Herbert's this generational guy. It needs to happen now or else we're going to start <laughs> making some changes. Not really with Herbert, but like if, if the team is like 10 and seven or nine and eight, if they don't make the year, playoffs, Staley's fired. I think that's yeah. fair to say. Yeah. I mean, people wanted him fired two years ago. I think if Herbert doesn't go off this season, then there's going to be people that are sort of reassessing their view of him as a quarterback, as like an elite, elite quarterback, because, you know, he's got all this arm talent, but he decides to check it down like way too much. And maybe if he does that again this year, even after replacing the OC and, and changing some things up on offense, then there'll be like, oh, maybe it's actually Herbert versus the offensive play callers. I do, I do think it was uh, the play caller last year, Lombardi. Because if you look at all of his offenses going back through the years, the like they, they've all done that same shit. So it's probably more likely his fault. But I think if we don't see like an uptick in aggressiveness and downfield passing from Herbert this last this next year, there could be some question marks about that. Because he did this in college too. Like there were times where he was just too passive. He wasn't aggressive enough down the field. And he his the way I I looked back at my scouting report for Herbert in the draft guide, and I wrote something along the lines of like his aggressiveness waxes and wanes throughout the season and throughout games. It's like, he just d doesn't have that killer instinct. It felt like sometimes. Um, and so I really want to see him just like sling it around this year. Hopefully we also have to factor in that, you know, he, he had like a debilitating rib injury in like week three last year. <laughs> That's Probably true. Never really That's recovered. true. We forget about these things and <laughs> yes. forget, like we basically just push them aside. It's very true. Every, yeah. yeah. I was thinking about the Marcus Mariota and everyone's like, oh, he can't throw. I'm like, well, he had a nerve injury in his arm like six years ago. And like, no one, no one even knows. Anyway. Austin, Austin makes a point. Uh, Herbert's average depth of target on non checkdowns and non screens was 28th. He couldn't <laughs> take a deep enough breath to throw it deep. <laughs> I'm just saying. <laughs> yeah, exactly, Craig. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere. Like when your fantasy league meets up at your house. Everything's great until the hot plate gets too hot for the tablecloth. Now your kitchen's up in smoke. And if you don't have the right home insurance coverage, the cost to fix this is anything but a fantasy. So switch to Allstate, save money, and get protected from mayhem like this. 
Not available in every state. Based on coverage selected. Subject to terms, conditions, and availability. Savings vary. This episode is brought to you by Hyundai. Think about all the stuff you can do now on Sundays after the Super Bowl's over. Adventurous activities. You need a Hyundai to get you there. The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped for any adventure with features like available H-Track, all-wheel drive. You can take on the dirt trails and kick up some mud or available dual wireless charging pads so no one gets stuck in the great outdoors. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. This episode is brought to you by 20th Century Studios' Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. As a ruthless king builds his empire at the expense of the remaining human race, a young ape will fight for the future of apes and humans alike. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Enter the kingdom in IMAX this Friday and in theaters everywhere. Get tickets now. Any other questions you guys got going to the league? Obviously, we have a lot, but the things that really confounding is you were doing your rankings and you were just like, what's going to happen here? I think everything going on in Denver is really confusing and difficult to map out, right? The, the, you know, it's essentially the, the same team. I mean, Judy and Sutton are still there. Russ is back. You have Javante hopefully healthy. And it's like, I, Russell Wilson was like a bottom four quarterback in the league last year. And I kind of feel similarly about like Deshaun Watson, where it was like, these are two guys with a track record to have played at like an MVP level, elite fantasy level. They've, I think they've both been number one or number two overall quarterbacks in fantasy football. And I don't know. They're both coming in on year two. And if you hit on one of them, it could be a tremendous value because these guys are not right. going high in fantasy right. drafts. I think, I think we can, I, there's no way Russell Wilson can be any worse than last year. That's kind of how I'm looking at it, honestly. Like everything he's done throughout his whole career, I don't think he's completely, completely fallen off the map. I don't think there's any way he any could go any worse than what happened last year. And so I'm actually a little bit bullish on Wilson, at least relative to expectations. I don't think he's going to be an elite quarterback next year. But I do think Sean Payton coming in and reestablishing the run. I know that like this is completely against what like a lot of Seahawks fans have talked about. Let Russ cook, blah, blah, blah. I've seen the light. I think Russell Wilson's actually best in an offense that has balance that allows him to do play action. He's an elite deep throw, uh, deep pass guy. He's just really accurate down the field. He has, you know, that ability to create the explosive plays. But if you put way too much on his shoulders, especially, you know, in a, in a pass first, very heavy offense, like I think that's where he starts to struggle a little bit. And we've seen, especially last year, like if, if they're putting it all on him, it's just not going to go well, especially now that he doesn't scramble and escape well, I the agree. pocket. I agree, DK, and I actually think we go even further. I mean, if anything, we're bearing the lead here, which is we can pretty much, you know, it's, I agree with what Greg Cosell, you know, you, was saying earlier where, you know, you don't want to criticize these guys, all these coaches, I do believe I forgot more about football than you, et cetera, et cetera. But like, right. I think we can pretty definitively say now, Nate Hackett was hired to get Aaron Rodgers and then didn't. <laughs> right. And then like, they right. just had to figure it the fuck out. And you could argue that- It was an you know, arranged Nate, marriage. <laughs> yeah, that you didn't, and Rodgers didn't show up to the wedding. And it's like, it Nate Hackett plan. to Sean Payton is probably the, is one of the handful, the small handful of the biggest head coaching upgrades in like 10 years. Right. I mean, it's 100%. Like with, other than like 100%. Mike Singletary to freaking Jim Harbaugh, I think you'd be pretty hard pressed to find a head coaching thing. I mean, the, the, the most astonishing thing to me that happened of all the things last season was the Broncos crowd chanting down the play clock on their own offense in week two. Brutal. They watched one game on TV, <laughs> saw two quarters in person and were actually like, fuck the Russell Wilson. I hate these guys. <laughs> and so now they got Sean Payton I do think that there's room here for like, again, bylaw stuff. So the problem is though, where you have to get these guys. We've got Cortland Sutton. 
92nd. I think that's around the area where you can talk yourself into it. Judy, I don't know. I don't like that they were trying to trade Judy. Judy's 72nd. The Broncos didn't have picks. They traded up to go get Marvin Mims. I'm like, yeah. I, I've Sean, the flip side is Sean Payton's running that building. If he hates Jerry Judy, I don't know if that's good either. So there's a, there's I don't know a lot of weird do. vibes going on with just the overall Denver. It feels like they're Sean Payton's coming in. And this is what happens sometimes is like he's got his guys and he's got the guys that he doesn't really want. And it feels like Judy's not really one of his guys or yeah. cut Cortland Sutton, honestly. Like he, I feel like the way that you've heard the reports is like they're shopping both of these guys. And like if they get a good offer on one of them, he's gone. So to me, this is a little bit worrisome. There's a lot of buzz about uh, Tim Patrick coming back. Of course, he's coming off an ACL and he's a little older. So I wouldn't buy too much into that. I would but, say but yeah. Samaj P. Ryan. Is the guy on if you could like you can have one running back or one player on the Broncos at where they're going. I think Samaje P. Ryan is basically dart throwing that he's going to be Alvin Kamara for this team. That's a good and call. I think that I, I think that's the guy. It's we haven't ranked 109th, and I actually roll wiring him. Yeah. I, yeah, yeah. I'm not saying he's Alvin Kamara, like he's going to be a top five running back. I'm saying Sean Payton <laughs> right. is going to do his stuff and P. Ryan gets the Alvin Kamara stuff. Now Kamara had like a touchdown a game for like the first 40 games of his career. So I don't know if P. Ryan's going to do that. But that's the sure. guy I'd want. Sure. There's just a uh, lot of upside, it feels like, in this Denver offense. It's like, if it's half decent, a lot of these guys are going to be better values than they're currently sitting at. Post-hype sleepers, baby. That's really it. All right. There's a ton of there's a ton of questions that we have. Again, fantasyfootball.thringer.com. We have our rankings. We have everything. Emails at ringerfantasyfootball.gmail.com. If you have questions, if you hate our rankings, if you like our rankings, if you anything you want us to add to our rankings... Stuff you want us to read on the email, anything. Questions about the league, questions about weird Craig's weird bulking podcast he wants to do on the side, <laughs> all the stuff. So with that said, we're going to get into our emails. Emails. Yeah, we're looking for financiers for that pod, so hit me up if you want to invest. <laughs> get in early. Get a foot in the door. Mm-hmm. Got an email from Anna. Anna. I couldn't agree more with all of Craig's compelling evidence that the first pick in the NFL draft is actually bad. <laughs> compelling. Uh, <laughs> but at least I'm me Anna, my pre- by the way. <laughs> So this burner leads me to my present pickle. I am finally a league defending champion, which means mm, I get congrats. to pick my draft spot in our 10 team snake draft. Mm. I've made the playoff. I've made the playoffs in nine out of 10 years in the league. The only year I did not make the playoffs. I had the second pick seven of the other remaining playoff years. I picked eight, nine or 10. I mm. picked seventh last year. I took Dalvin cook, LOL. And I won the whole damn thing. Logic and precedent dictate that I should just take the first pick. Don't overthink it. But, what if I overthink it? What is the best spot to draft this year? I love Galaxy Braining not having the first overall pick. I know everyone always says the numbers shake out to where you should want the first overall pick, but I kind of agree with Anna here. I, I actually understand not wanting it, especially in Snake. I mean, you're getting the first pick and then the 24th if you're in a 12-team league. I have to say, when you guys are in like a, if you're doing like a, a mock draft online or you do like a randomized draft lottery, are you always hoping for number one or is there kind of a different pick that you secretly are rooting you get? Oh man. I, well, I personally kind of like being around the turn. Cause then you get, I don't know. It, you have to obviously sit through that really, really long stretch where you're not picking, but you get two of the top, like obviously 12 picks. That's kind of nice. But if I'm really picking and I haven't done the research on this and there's probably good research in terms of like what the actual best optimized pick is. I'm just looking at it right now. I'm looking at the rankings. I want number six. I want right in the middle. Because then you're picking like at regular intervals. Uh, I get it. You get a chance at like a Bijan or a Kelsey or a Barkley or maybe Cup. Like this, these are the elite guys. And then in the second round, like you're not waiting too long. I don't know. I kind of, I'm maybe that's just like literally right down the fairway, but I want number six. I like doing it. I, I think the way you should look at it is in tiers, right? 
I think the pick I would want this year, right now, this is so early on. We're t- this is May we're we're in, but four. Yeah. To me, Christian McCaffrey, Justin Jefferson, Austin Eckler, and Jamar Chase are kind of like the elite guys, the top four in my opinion. And if you can just have the bottom of that and take whichever one falls to you, which gives you an earlier pick in the second round, I actually think I would be happiest with that. And you can come back and the worst case that happens to you is you get like Nick Chubb or like A.J. Brown. And maybe a little bit later, because if you're in a 12 team, that means you don't. She's in a 10 team league. Oh, 10 team. Oh, sure. Yeah. But the point is, as we were talking about last week, there's, you know, you can draw a tier however you want. But the idea that, you know, there's a few guys you can consider with the number one pick and you wouldn't be crazy. McCaffrey, which is our guy, Justin Jefferson, if you really wanted Eckler, if you really wanted Jamar Chase. But then there's also this other, as long as, I think it depends on what you want. But if you could, as late as I could go down where I can get like Cooper Cup, Devontae Adams, Jamar Chase, Jefferson, any of those elite receivers, or you can take like the ninth pick, you might get Bijan Robinson come back at around like Stefan Diggs anyway. And then I agree though. The first pick, I don't actually know that this is a year I want the first pick. I don't know. Yeah, we have to help Anna here. Like, should she take the first pick or no? I mean, she probably, yeah, that's probably good. She should probably just do that, but <laughs> just do that. Or not. I don't know. I, I think Craig, Craig's on to something with number four. Just average you two, just put over five. There we go. All right. We got an email from John. 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 On the last podcast, you guys were talking about weird eating habits. Yes. I have a weird eating habit with Cheetos. Love it. I literally love Cheetos so much. I might love them more than my own mother. They're the best (laughs) snack that cannot be argued. But the only issue with the glorious Cheeto is the orange dust left on my fingers after enjoying a healthy portion of Mr. Chester's finest creation. Sure. The Cheeto dust gets under my fingernails and leaves an orange hue that bothers me every time. Mm -hmm. To fix this issue, I taught myself how to use chopsticks to eat Cheetos. Oh, my Lord. (laughs) That is the coolest thing I've ever heard. Him just, like, eating Cheetos like it's fucking chow mein out of a bag is... The funniest shit I've ever heard. <laughs> you know how if you're eating like ramen and it like hangs out of your mouth? Like it just, I'm picturing him just like got he, like five Cheetos. You know what I thought he mouth. was going to say is I thought he was going to like use like the surgical glove. <laughs> like, you know how people when they eat like hot chicken, like, they have like hot, the, the, jalapenos. Yeah. yeah, they have the gloves on. I thought that was his move, which oh I think would God. also work. <laughs> John writes, it took about a week of eating Cheetos with chopsticks to get it right. However... I get constantly roasted by everyone in my life that sees me doing this. From my girlfriend to strangers on the street, everyone has something mean to say. <laughs> Austin in the in the chat is just screaming, arrest him. <laughs> I just someone arrest him. It feels like a Curb Your Enthusiasm bit. Like I think Larry <laughs> David would either absolutely adore this idea and adopt it or or despise you. Well, but it's like the, the fork and knife Snickers. Yes. Didn't, wasn't there a Seinfeld yeah. episode? Seinfeld. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mr. Pitts. This is better than that, though, because the thing is, everyone knows. I, I, I actually think it's you, it, it's easy to make fun of. But like, yeah, I would do that. It's like, I don't want I'm too old. to have Cheeto fingers. <laughs> well, OK, let's let's think here. Let's brainstorm for a moment. Are there any is there a better way to, to eat Cheetos and not get dust on your fingers other than chops? No chance. The, what about the my glove idea. You want a Cheeto glove like you're playing golf? As opposed to Cheeto chopsticks, you got to take chopsticks. What do you do with the glove? What do you do? Where do you keep the glove in your kitchen? Next to the chopsticks. (laughs) How do you wash it? You throw it away. Like a medical glove. (laughs) It's a medical glove. It's It's like a medical. 
But then if you're like, that seems well, like you want to pick up your like phone. Worse. Is you that pick worse? up your phone? I also am a fan of like pour the Cheetos in a bowl and then just use two fingers. And so you're only getting dust on two fingers. To me, dust on two fingers <laughs> mitigate, is not a huge deal. Mitigate the finger number. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if you're digging your hand in the bag, you're like deep in it. Your whole palm <laughs> is covered in dust. If you just pour in the bowl and do the little two finger chopstick, quick lick on the finger and the thumb and you're kind of clean. You're done. I actually think that everyone who hates this idea is just jealous that they didn't think of it themselves. I, I think the, the the level of difficulty is not worth it. That's why I'm well, going I mean, you just not Arrest him. <laughs> no, I think that's actually a great idea. It is a great idea. I, Would you I'm actually, Doritos? Glove. Yeah, because the chopsticks doesn't really work with Doritos, I feel like. No, they break. It's different. Would they? Plus, there's like the crumbs at the bottom of the bag that you can't get with chopsticks, you know? Well, yeah, but you're snorting those anyway. (laughs) That sounds painful. That took me a second. It wasn't. uh, I don't know. Maybe they need like a, they need like a Pez dispenser, but for Doritos. So you can just put your mouth up to it and grab (laughs) one Dorito at a time. Doritos are also too big. Like a little bit too big. Yeah. Make them a little smaller. It's like the Bo Burnham Pringles can. Yeah. The Dorito chip is, is just big enough to where it scrapes the sides of your mouth. Yeah, I don't and like they know that. it. You have to kind of like angle it in and I stretch the, your, your mouth open to get it in. <laughs> but we were, but that has to be on purpose. They have to love that. Like you, people must love that or else they wouldn't do it. Yeah, it slows them down a little bit, you know, makes them work for it. All right. We got one more email here from Henry. 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 Hank. So I'm on my way to a meeting of my local municipal advisory council, basically what passes for a local government in an unincorporated California town. And I'm listening to your podcast. Among the topics that were going to be discussed at this meeting, modifications to the downtown streetscape, a.k.a. a single road, a project which has been in process in one form or another since 1993. We have finally lined up our funding and design documents are nearing completion. Pending the results of some environmental studies, another town hall or two, various agency reviews, and eminent domain litigation, we hope to break ground sometime in 2025, perhaps with completion in 2026. Many, many members of the seven-member council have joined, pushed this goddamn rock up the hill a little bit, and then moved, retired, or literally died without seeing a single shovel break ground. So imagine my amusement when, as I am approaching this meeting, Craig... Listen to this podcast. Craig quips that he thinks changing, I was joking. The le- changing the rules in your fantasy league is harder than building a road. It was a joke, Henry. <laughs> All right. The point was that a lot of dudes in a fantasy league are stubborn dicks. That was the point. <laughs> but man, imagine a fantasy league full of those council members. That sounds terrible. <laughs> Just wanted to throw that in. Since 1983, they've been trying to. 1993. Ninety-three. So, so wait, is it they're, trying to, they're trying to like redo the road, update the road? Yeah, they're trying to like modify. It's it's a single road. They're just trying to modify the road. It's been thirty years. <laughs> oh my gosh! <laughs> oh my gosh! Email us at football gmail dot com if you have thoughts on roads, thoughts on Cheetos, thoughts on chopsticks with the Cheetos chopsticks with Doritos, thoughts on unorthodox eating utensils. You ever seen the one with the guy he's eating pasta and then like he's cutting it with the scissors while he's eating it? Because that like should just be a thing. Kitchen scissors are something that was not a part of my family growing up. And as I've gotten older and like 
we've been in more friends' houses. Like I didn't realize how prevalent scissors are in the kitchen. I actually, so there's not many things where I'm like, I'm great at, I'm elite. I'm elite at carving like a chicken or carving a Thanksgiving turkey. And the key is, this is like a kitchen shears. I don't even use a knife. You use, you use shears to, to carve a kitchen turkey? Kitchen shears. Yeah. It's actually like top five how, thing. I'm how big at. is the turkey? And, oh, huge. Like tiny? I don't understand the physics of that. Well, I think that carving a turkey is a bad name because you shouldn't really carve it. If you cooked well, you can just kind of tear it apart and the shears are just kind of like, you know, to expedite the process. I mean, obviously use a knife to like slice it, but in terms of like getting it off, you know, I'm, I'm using scissors. I don't actually really understand that. <laughs> I, I'm, I, I'm having trouble <laughs> no, imagining. I'm having you start, trouble you cut, picturing well, you, it. You start, I can't visualize you cut, that. Cut the, the leg off and then the thigh and then you start and then you kind of got to do a little ugly like split, you know. But like you're talking about the, like um, butcher, the butchering part or whatever they call it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not talking. Yeah. Once you have the breast, they use a knife to slice the breast. But like getting it off the bone, scissors. Everyone wow. thinks I'm nuts when I do this. <laughs> well, add me to that list. <laughs> Dude, it's, 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 please. I'm going to send you guys pictures of the beautiful ass turkey. Oh my God. All right. All right. Thank you, Craig. Thank you, DK. Thank you uh, to whoever makes those kitchen shears. I got to look it up. <laughs> Thank you, Austin. Thank you, Kai, for producing this episode. Thank you, Lauren. Lauren. Thank you, Super Tramp. Nice. Who? Super Tramp. My dad loved Super Tramp. You get some good beats. You know the good name for a band. Breakfast in America. Yeah, you know the you know Breakfast. You know Goodbye Stranger. Can you do it? Do it. Goodbye, stranger. It's been nice. <laughs> it's the The Office parodied it with Goodbye, Toby. Got Goodbye, it. Goodbye, Toby. <laughs> That's like, you know how you know things from weird places? That's, yeah. That, yeah, I got it. Super I true. like that DK is kind of going back in time here. I feel like for a while he was sticking with the modern, modern yeah. musician. That's been my vibe lately. All right. Goodbye, everyone. This episode is brought to you by Hotels.com. When I went on my last holiday to Cape Town, it was amazing. My friends were there, the weather was phenomenal, and most importantly, the food was fantastic. But one thing I struggled with was finding the right places to stay. You know, all I want is a great bed, a fantastic shower, and breakfast that doesn't end at 8 a.m. I'm on holiday, I'm still sleeping. I also like ease, and the Hotels.com app easily helps me to find a perfect hotel for every trip. Whether you're looking for a family-friendly getaway or a relaxing spa weekend, on the Hotels.com app, you can compare up to five hotels side-by-side. Side. Now, why would you want to do that? So you can see prices, amenities, and star ratings. And best of all, you don't have to switch back and forth between options. See? Ease. So, start planning your next getaway and find your perfect somewhere in the Hotels.com app today.